sojourn as the foreigners among you. And then what happens between that moment and then having a program like his or loving in the international student, that gap is what I want to talk to you guys about this morning. About the moment that happens when you read the word, you connect with God, and you hear this amazing truth that radically transform your life, and then it makes a difference in the way you live out each and every day. So before I get into that, uh, let me just pray for us real quick. So God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the word you've given us. Thank you that you're near, God, that you're close to us and you want to speak with us. So God, help us to hear from you today. In Jesus' name. So like Jonathan said, my name is Josh Prescott, and I have the wonderful privilege of working with Call to Greatness. Uh, my wife, Ashley, and I are the campus directors there at KU, and we get to work with college students going on, I want to say seven years now, uh, we've been working on the college campus, and it's just a treat. Like more and more every semester, every year, we get excited for what God's doing, not just in, man, all generations, but particularly in the college age, in this pivotal time of life where people are meeting God for the first time or learning that, hey, you know, discipleship, that's an exciting thing. That's something I can give my life to. But today, I'm excited that I'm just really blessed that Jonathan asked me to come and speak because kind of in the midst of your guys' timeline, like you guys are about to start a series on 1 Corinthians. I saw, I think Mitchell posted on Facebook that you guys are going through as a church, like reading the whole Bible together this year. Um, and that's really timely. I'm excited because what he asked me to speak on was why and how to read the Bible. Why and how to read the Bible. And I'm also excited because my own background. Uh, so I started off as a KU student in engineering, but uh, transferred actually and ended up going to uh, like a seminary undergrad program a Bible college, essentially, while working for CTG there in Lawrence. So for that reason, like, obviously, like, I love studying the Bible, and I believe there's a lot locked in there for us to find. Secondly, for those of you who uh, subscribe to StrengthsFinder, I have Input and Learner, both in my top five. So that says a lot. That says a whole lot. <laughs> find me with a book. And then third, I'm super excited because I just have a general passion for people to connect with God as a father and as a person. Like, to hear from him face-to-face, eyeballs-to-eyeballs, not just looking at a book. So, before we get into the nitty-gritty on why to read first, and then how to read the Bible, let's start with what Jesus said. So, something that Jesus said to us in John 5, if you give me a moment to pull it up. So, John 5, uh, verse 39, he's talking to the Pharisees here, and Jesus says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But it is they that bear witness about me. It is they that bear witness about me. So here in this verse, we see that Jesus spells out a really clear example of why, why to read the Bible. Why people shouldn't, like a poor reason to read the Bible, and then the right reason that he created us to read the Bible. So what he says is that to these Pharisees, that look, you're reading the Bible just for the sake of reading the Bible. Like you think you can find eternal life just in this book as a book, and you can do it yourself. And what Jesus says is that no, like this Bible, it testifies about me. I'm the source of life. I'm the one that you're actually looking for. And from that, we see that our greatest goal in studying the scriptures should be to first, to build a deep relationship with Jesus. And then secondly, to learn more about living in his kingdom. So our greatest goal in reading the Bible is to build a deep relationship with Jesus and then learn more about how to live effectively in his kingdom. Now, all of us this morning might not have come with that exact reason in mind. Like, yeah, every day I read the Bible to build with Jesus and to be more effective in his kingdom. Like, I know I didn't for a very long time in my life, my walk with God. Like, that wasn't my purpose. Um, it actually was quite a process for me to get there and to understand why the heck this book is so important. So to illustrate that, some of my life, it started off when I was in grade school. Um, and who here has heard of Awana? Has anybody? Okay, great. If you grew up in Midwest the Midwest, sometime in the last two decades, you've probably been through an Awana program. 
Um, so for those of you that aren't familiar, Awana is essentially a weekly pro- youth program that a lot of churches put on where one night a week, uh, grade school, middle school kids come, they play games, they have a snack, and then they spend a chunk of the time uh, reading, memorizing, and then reciting scripture. It's kind of like Bible Boy Scouts. Um, <laughs> and you get points and you advance through the ranks and get all these little patches. The more verses you can lock up here and then recite verbatim. So for that, it was like, okay, you know, God's word is good. These adults around me told me it's good, but, you know, I should, I should memorize it. I should learn these things. It's a, it's a way for me to find, like, recognition or, like, praise. So that was kind of the first foundation is, okay, the Bible is good, but mainly it's good as like a means to an end so I can just get these stars on my badge. <laughs> so real healthy start. Um, but it's, I, will, I am grateful for that because all that I learned back then is still paying dividends and so much of those things that I memorized as a kid. It's amazing to see how God brings them back up. But next into high school, um, I started to wrestle a little bit more and started to actually look at the Bible and find it interesting and to see that, wow, God... Some of these stories of what you did, like especially the Old Testament, like so many of these stories of what you did in the past for your people, it's pretty cool. Like I'm really fascinated by this. So I started to read and to dig in more, and I was interested, but there was like 0% of that actually translating into my day-to-day life. I kind of looked at it like a history textbook of, okay, this is what God did, but other than that, thou shalt not murder, that's about the only part of the Bible I was applying back then. <laughs> like that was like, okay, if I can get a couple of Ten Commandments, we're good. Um, so I wasn't living anything out. I was just treating it like a storybook. And then uh, moving into my first year of college, I had finally been exposed both through Call to Greatness and through another guy uh, who was in college at K-State, actually, who came back to my hometown for the summer before I went to college, to what real discipleship looked like. The idea of two people or more walking together, life on life, sharing the scripture, building lives together, and being transformed by God. So this tension started to grow, and I saw that, man, okay, these can be times of interacting with God. Like, I still kind of have this old view of like the Bible is a good thing and I should and this book and all this like uh, kind of academic approach. But I also started to understand that, man, when I open up the Bible and I read these words, I'm literally coming face to face with Jesus. Like I'm having this conversation with this living person. And then finally today, uh, seven years later, now, man, when I sit down, whether it's in the morning or an evening or whatever, like I'm a new dad now, I've got a four month old, so schedules are funny. Um, <laughs> So whenever I can find time to crack open the Bible or even open it up on my phone, when I sit down and read, it's, man, it's, it's having a conversation with Jesus. It's sitting face to face with my Lord, my Savior, my Creator, and just learning about Him and having a dialogue. And yes, it's digging deeper and studying things, but it's no longer academic. It's, it's relational. Like reading the Bible is a relational thing for me now. Sorry, I'm getting over a bit of <coughs> a bit of a cold, so I'm probably coughing a little bit up here. Um, so now, like... Now it's just this rich experience. It's, it's no longer this stale duty of like, oh, I need to read if I'm going to be a good Christian. It's like, man, I want to connect with God today. What's the best way to do that? Well, I'm going to get face-to-face with him in his word and hear what he has to say for my life and enjoy him too, not just get a to-do list on what to do, but just enjoy being in his presence. Yeah. And God, it's been really fun over the last month, uh, month and a half. He's kind of given me a new analogy on the old way I used to approach the Bible to the way that I look at it and look at him now through some stories that Jesus told so, in particular, it, he, it has to do with the Pharisees, uh, kind of contrasted against Jesus' first 12 disciples. So, I'll tell that story a little bit. Um, the Pharisees, essentially, were the religious leaders of Israel, of God's people, back in the day. So, their responsibility was to know all of the Hebrew Scripture, which was essentially the Old Testament. So, just to put it in perspective, at minimum, they had the first five books, Genesis through Deuteronomy, through Deuteronomy like memorized off the top of their head, which is crazy. 
and a lot of them had the rest of the, some of the other poetic literature, and they had some just Jewish laws and customs memorized too. So like these guys, they knew, they knew the Bible that they had. They knew it inside, outside, upside down. Um, and their goal really was to kind of be the enforcers, like to teach the other people of Israel, like God's people, how God's law affected their daily lives, and really to teach them to live as close to perfection according to those laws as possible. So that's the Pharisees over here, people A. But what about the 12 disciples, the other side? So they were just common people, like businessmen, uh, people who worked and lived in the community, just everyday people like you and I. And their knowledge of the Bible was simply because they were Jews. Like they grew up in the Jewish tradition, so the Pharisees taught them some, and they picked it up some just from the customs of their families. But they weren't masters by any means. They didn't have the entire Torah, the Old Testament memorized. They just knew some of it as their cultural heritage as Jews and as like believing in God. So these two very different ways and places of approaching scripture. But the, the way they handled that is really interesting because the Pharisees, like I said, they knew so much and they became obsessed, just absolutely obsessed with knowing every little nook and cranny of scripture not as like a way of being closer to God relationally, like building a love for him, but as a way of, man, if I can just know more, I can be perfect. And if I can be perfect, I can make others be perfect. So for the Pharisees, their approach to the, the Bible that they had at the time was all about them being able to hold themselves to this perfect standard before people and wag their finger at anyone who fell short. Just obsessed with their own ideas of self-righteousness through following the law. Now, on the other hand, the disciples were nowhere near there. Uh, they, instead, they were actually interested in knowing Jesus as a person. They wanted to walk with him and build that relationship. And they actually knew that, hey, we don't have it all together. Like, we're sinful. We're kind of a mess. Like, we're a motley crew and we need some help. That's why they followed Jesus is they knew they needed him. And their heart, instead of just knowing all these things and trying to be perfect on their own ability, their heart was to obey Jesus, to walk with him, to hear from him, and then to work out how to live from the way that he lived in front of them. So completely different starting points and also a completely different way of handling it. And the thing is, the heart for or the why, like why we read the Bible, the why for each of these groups, man, what it resulted in the Pharisees' lives, if you read through the gospel, like literally every single time Jesus was around the Pharisees and he was going to do a miracle or minister to somebody or give a teaching, like Jesus was here and the Pharisees were way over here. Like they met, which is crazy because of all the people of the, that day who should have known what Jesus was going to do and teamed up with him, it should have been the Pharisees. Like they, knew, they knew all the prophecies, all the scriptures, but every single time they missed the heart of what God was doing because they were so obsessed with like this self-righteous handling of this book. <clears throat> On the other hand, the disciples, man, they knew Jesus closely. And the, the parts of scripture they did know, it helped guide them so that they could see that, okay, this is what Jesus came here to do, and wow, like, I want to partner with you in this, Jesus. And not only did they get to witness all the awesome miracles and ministry that Jesus did firsthand, Jesus actually invited them to take part in it and be a part of that adventure and be a part of the grand things that he came to do. So it's so important for us to start with the why before we get to the how. Like, if we don't understand why we do the things that we do, uh, we'll have either a, an unconscious or an uninformed reason for doing the things that we do. And that's a problem because then we won't know what direction we're going in life. We won't have a reason for the things that we do, and it'll just be these, these habits that we don't understand what kind of impact they're having in our life. So it's so important for us to stand that, understand that um, God wants us to build this relationship of love and obedience with him. Like, he wants our why for getting time in the Bible to be building that relationship with him and connecting with him. 
not just because we should be these good, studious Christians who have this perfect record of reading the Bible like five times a week and getting at least 30 minutes and taking all these notes. Like, it's not about that. God is so not interested in you putting a gold star on your resume of how well you read the Bible. He just wants you to walk alongside with him every day, just like the disciples. That way we too can come to know Jesus and then minister to the people around us just like he did so many years ago and he wants to do through us. So I'm going to repeat that why for us one more time. So we read the Bible to build a relationship with Jesus and to learn more about living in his kingdom. To build a relationship with Jesus and learn more about living in his kingdom. Okay, so we've got the why, now the how. How do we do that? Well, to understand the Bible in this way and to connect with God through it, uh, we need to explore first a couple of cool, I think they're cool facts, um, but input and learner, like I said. So we need to explore a couple of cool facts about Scripture, and then I want to walk us through a tool that we can all use this year, especially as you guys are going through the Bible and doing the sermon series, to really unlock that relational nature of spending time with God and His Word. But let's start with some facts. So I'm going to quote a little bit from a book called uh, Read the Bible for a Change that Jonathan and Rob uh, actually hooked me up with because it does a really good job of making a few clear, helpful statements about what, uh, what we can learn and how to learn from God and His Word. So, how do we read the Bible in a way that builds this relationship and makes us more effective in His kingdom? Well, first, we need to understand that the Bible is a book. It's a book that was written by a large group of authors, uh, and each one of these authors wrote their smaller books with different styles, lessons, and meanings in mind. It's not, it's not some magical book. Like, yes, the Bible is the Word of God breathed out by Him, but we don't have to treat it like some sacred text where we like chant over it or you have to unlock all these secret meanings or like meditate in a dark, like a dark room by candlelight for the secret ink to show up. Like the Bible, I don't know what you've seen in the Da Vinci Code, but the Bible is not some secret book, not some magical book. But um, it's a book meant to be read just like any other form of literature in a lot of ways. Now that said, the Bible is a unique book and there is no other book like it. Uh, no other book is written by authors who were divinely inspired, so God influenced them to write perfectly and exactly what needed to be written. So the Bible is a book, but it's also the Word of God in a really unique way. And it's also unique because the Bible, uh, unique from a, a bunch of different books, not only does it contain smaller books within it, but many of those books each are written with different styles within those books. So for example, this includes Poetry and narrative, prayers, songs, genealogies, letters, um, commandments, so much more. Like, it's important for us to understand that as we read in these different areas, that the Bible is written in different styles that are meant to be read differently. So, in all that I just said, my main point is this. God directed the Bible's authors to write their individual parts with different styles. And we need to have some kind of an understanding of what those styles are as we approach the Word, if we're going to hear God correctly, if we're going to connect with him in the right way in those sections. Does that make sense? Excellent. So instead of going through this giant list of all these different styles and these nuances, like we, don't, we really don't need to do that. Um, what we can do is just break the Bible up into three main styles. And it will cover 99% of what you're going to read in there. And those three main styles are this. Narrative, discourse, and poetry. Narrative, discourse, and poetry. And I'm going to keep this short so it doesn't feel like we just stepped into a lecture on campus. But, so the three types, narrative, discourse, and poetry. I guarantee you guys are familiar with all these, even if you don't recognize the titles. So, narrative. Narrative is a type of writing that tells a story that really took place, 
And this story teaches lessons along the way as the story is told. So a really clear example of this that I know we're all familiar with, the book of Luke. So the whole book of Luke is about Jesus' life and ministry, and it teaches stories and lessons and principles throughout the storytelling. So that's narrative. Secondly, we have discourse. Now, discourse is essentially a text that presents a logical sequence of ideas. It's somewhat like an equation with words, where A plus B equals C. And another familiar example of that would be a lot of Romans. So if you guys have read through Romans, it's Paul making a lot of statements that if this then this, therefore this. And if you do these things, this will result. And if you don't do these things, this will happen. So think of it, it really is like an equation just with words, a very clear teaching. And a lot of what Paul writes is in that style too. And then finally, my favorite one, um, and I think the one I enjoy reading the most is poetry. So in poetry, normal, uh, <coughs> excuse me, normal literal language is modified to intensify the impact. So poetic tools like Figures of speech, non-literal, like communication, metaphors, similes, kind of all those uh, fun things you learned in English class back in high school that make language and reading fun for some of us. Um, those are used in poetic literature to create these beautiful word pictures that teach lessons. And it's not always literal. It's not always at face value. And an example of this that uh, I really appreciate is the Song of Solomon. If you guys have read that book, uh, in chapter 6, the writer uses poetry or poetic style and he compares his lover's teeth to sheep, which was evidently a huge compliment back in that day. Um, my wife does not appreciate that compliment. Don't use that one. Uh, understanding how to read the Bible is important for your life and for your marriage. So if you take nothing else, take that today. Poetic is taken with a grain of salt. So these three styles, narrative, discourse, and poetry, they're all really simple guidelines that can really help us just to go to the scripture and see it for the way it's meant to be seen and to, to hear from God in the way he wants to talk to us. Now, understanding these going in um, will help us understand to tell the difference when God is speaking to us through narrative, so through a story of how Jesus may have had compassion on a sinful woman and the way he handled that. Man, if it's narrative, we understand that we can learn from not just what he says, but what he did in the story and the way he handled the situation. Or with discourse, we, under, we can learn that Man, Paul has a lot to say about how we can discipline our bodies to be obedient to the Lord and that God is teaching us specific lessons through his more lecture style. And then finally, with poetry, man, it informs us when King David is writing these beautiful songs about trusting his God as his refuge, his provider, his shelter, that, man, we love God our Father in all those ways um, and this beautiful poetic way of understanding it. So it's so easy to, to grasp these three and to put them into practice and say, okay, God, what way are you speaking to me today? Like, I really want to hear you and understand you well today. Um, now that we know these three types, I want to move on to that tool I mentioned. Because, man, I want to be able to apply what we're learning so far. And the fun thing is, like, even just taking these three parts, like I said, that make up the vast majority of the Bible, man, even just hearing this today and thinking through that, <clears throat> we can already go to the Bible now and understand it so much more clearly. A really important thing to know is and to believe is that God is not making this hard on us. Like, God did not write the Bible in such a way that it was this complicated thing that we had to fight and wrestle. Like, God wants us to understand what he's saying. Like, God has nothing to gain from making the Bible hard to understand or hard to read. He actually wrote it as this really beautiful, simple book that whether you're 75 years old and the smartest person in the room, or maybe you're just 10 years old and you're just a brand new follower of Jesus, just learning to understand these things. Like, all along that spectrum, you can come to the Bible at any point, and God will communicate clearly to you. He didn't make it hard for us to understand. 
So I want to go over that specific tool so that we can learn and put that into practice even for this year. And this tool is called SOAP. So if you've heard of SOAP, which I'm sure a lot of y'all have, uh, excellent. Hopefully you've been using it and enjoying it. If you haven't, I'm not talking about better hygiene in 2019. Maybe better spiritual hygiene. Maybe I am. So SOAP. I'll break it down. Uh, it's an acronym. So S-O-A and P. So we'll start with the first letter. And S stands for scripture. So what I'll do when I walk through this tool is I'll just take my little piece of notebook paper that I have or maybe notes on my phone when I'm spending some time in the Word, and I'll put an S. And then I'll write the reference. So like I did earlier, John 5, 39. And I do that just so I can refer back to it later. Really simple. Next with O is observation. So with observations, after I've taken a few minutes to read through the verses I'm going through a few times, then I'll go back and look and say, okay, God, what are the main, like two, maybe one or two main points of what I just read that are really important for me to notice? Okay, observation one, observation two. And I'll just make a couple of notes of what the main point is. Then move right on to application, which in application, then you pause and say, okay, God, I read this. This is what the main point of this is. Okay, God, what's one thing I can do to apply this main point to my life? What's one way that I can live this out? Great, and I'll write that down. And I try, I'd say more often than not, when I do the application, I'm not looking for this giant, like, oh, in my life I need to be more compassionate, or in my life I need to do this, that. It's more of like in the next 24 to, I don't know, maybe a week, 24 hours to a week, what's a very specific hands-on thing I can do to live this scripture out? Like, you want to make it day-to-day, because Jesus, he is big picture, and he's all these beautiful, large, lifelong truths. But Jesus just kind of wants to walk with you hour by hour. So tailoring your applications to be like, okay, God, what can we do today by what you taught me? Man, it's going to make it so much more rich and fun and help you to connect with him. I'll go back to that, why that's important later. But application, and then finally, the P stands for prayer. So for prayer, you can do different things. You can pray through what you just read. You can worship God. Um, One of the things that I do that I found is really simple and easy to do is every time when I'm done, I'll just sit and pray and say these two questions of, okay, God, Is there anything else you want me to know from what I just read? And is there anything else you want me to do about it? Those two questions, just to clarify and to hear from God, and if there's more he wants me to pick up on, like he'll tell me in that moment. So I'm going to do something a little bit different, because I am, like I'm more of a teacher and an activator, and I like training, I like trying stuff out instead of just sitting up here and talking. So we're actually going to put soap into practice for a few minutes. So we're going to take five minutes, and hopefully all you guys have a bulletin, because there's some notes on there that'll help. If not, just a piece of paper, or like I said, a note on your phone. But we're going to take five minutes and walk through soap together. And we're going to do it using a passage in Luke. So Luke 5, 27 through 32. So take the next five minutes, uh, write in your notebook or on the bulletin where you see the S, O, A, and P. Man, skim through those verses, write down the scripture, write down a couple observations, an application, and even a prayer. And get as much done as you can in five minutes, and then we'll just walk through whatever you guys have and practice this together. So go for it. I'll be back.